hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. I wore a suit all day yesterday, so there is no condemnation today. Okay? <laughs> Tie in and everything went with it. Are you ready? It's awful quiet in here. I started to say when I got up here, for Barry's sake, I started to say, you know, welcome, Holy Family, or St. Joe, just because we're all part of one family, right? All right, that's good. Let's read this thing. This is Paul talking to the, the, the church of Corinth. He said, unless I should be exalted above, above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger, that word messenger means angel. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord, look at this, three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to be a, been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent, eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches except that I myself was not burdensome to forgive me this wrong? Now for the third time, I'm ready. Look, there's that third again. I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you for I do not seek yours. Listen to this. I don't seek your stuff. I want you. For the children ought to not lay up for the parents, but the parents, stop right there, for the children. Three, five chapters earlier, Paul says these words. Same group of people. He says, guys, listen, this is my version. He says, guys, I glory, I rejoice in tribulation. Not before tribulation, not after tribulation. I rejoice in tribulation. Here he says, look, I'm the guy that, that, that followed the twelve. I'm the guy that come across and here. I'm now preaching to the Gentiles. I'm letting them all know that, hey, this is, this is, this is good. I'm preaching to the Jews and the Gentiles. I'm preaching to everyone. Guys, you don't understand. I was trained amongst the best. If anybody had a, a, a reason to boast and be proud, Paul says it would be me. But I'm not boasting and I'm not being prideful. I'm just telling you I have every reason to, but I'm not. And here's why I'm not. Because I had a messenger from Satan to buffet me on my side lest I would think I would get above everybody. I asked, listen to this, I asked God three times, remove that from my side. And evidently God said no. What do you do? When you pray, you're seeking the Lord, you feel like you're on the right direction, you're doing everything you know to do in the will of God like Paul was, but something just keeps nagging at you, or maybe it's something that's right in front of your face and it just seems like it's a roadblock or an obstacle, 
and you've asked God to either say yes and he says no, or you ask him to say no, but he keeps saying yes. What you're praying for doesn't seem to be happening. What you're really needing to take away, it's not taken away. What do you do when the Lord does that to you? Does that become the God that we serve? Does the obstacle, the issue, the messenger of Satan, the what's buffeting him in the side, does that become the focal point of Paul's life? Does that become the focal point of our life when things aren't working like we thought they should work? Or, or, or we're, we're, we're going to the Lord. How much time do you pray? If it were me, I would have said Paul doesn't have enough faith because Paul only prayed three times for something. I would have prayed three times in the first couple of hours. Paul sees it over times and seasons and times. I'm going, come on now, Lord, move this thing, take this away. I mean, he had a, and there's been all kinds of speculation. I've heard all kinds of things of what he could have taken away from him. And, and, and there's arguments on many things, okay? I don't know. I've studied it in the Greek. I've studied in the Hebrew. I've studied it in the English. And it still comes back to the same conclusion for me. I have no idea what that thing was. But it's irrelevant. Because what's relevant to me is, what is the thing that you need God to do? What is it that he doesn't take away from you or he takes away from you and you need him to put it back? What do you do when the Lord says no? And you're saying, you said yes. You stand on the word and say, Lord, Paul would have said this. I would have said this. You would have said this. Lord, the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. The Lord says, yes, they are. How does he stay faithful? Listen to this now. How does he stay faithful to his word when you put, he puts a desire in your heart for something to happen, the steps are ordered by you to see them happen, and some reason it's not happening. Do you look at him and say, you're in a marriage situation. Let me just get really practical here. You're in a marriage situation and it's not changing. It's not getting any better. And you're going, God, I know you put us together. Yeah, I knew you put us together. God changed her. God changed him. And all of he, they get worse. They get harder. They get, they get pickier. They, they nag more. And you're going, the more I pray, the worse it gets. The more I pray, the worse it gets. Well, if we're not careful, here's what happens to us. We begin to look at the obstacle and the obstacle begins something that we begin to worship. And we're not even calling it worship, but it is worship because you're bowing down to the very thing that we think the Lord is supposed to change for us. Here's what happens. Here's how you're going to know if what you're trying to change is in the Lord's hands that hasn't changed and you keep pushing on it to get it to change, here's how you're gonna know. Do you neglect most things around you because that thing is so heavy on your heart, so heavy on your mind, that it takes up your mind time, your heart time, your focus time, and your prayer time? Is it just... What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? God, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do financial pressures are the worst. Financial pressures are huge. It consumes your mind. It consumes your life. Your peace is gone. Your, your, your rest is gone. Everything's happening. It's falling apart. Your, your, your relationships start getting you know, rocky. You're close ones because they're feeling the pressure because you're giving off the pressure. And before you know it, you're going, God, and it's just consuming your mind. It's consuming your mind. Am I talking to anybody in here today? And when, the, when it gets consuming your mind, the first thing you want to do is, God, you've got to do, and you're knowing, I've done everything I can do. I tithe. I give offerings. I even pull the Cornelius and give prayer, uh, alms to the poor. I do it all. I pray. I seek. I fast. I do. And some reason the Lord is not answering what you thought he should answer. Now, if, it shouldn't be that difficult. 
So if the Lord doesn't move your obstacle or turn your, his no into your yes, what you have to do is you've got to recognize within yourself, this is to produce a work in me bigger and far greater than anything I can see in the natural eye. Now the risk you run into when you begin to take that posture is that you begin to, what people would say, you're not in faith. You begin to waver. You begin to say, well, maybe he wasn't supposed to put, maybe we are supposed to divorce. Maybe we're not, maybe you didn't put us together after all. Maybe it's not, maybe I wasn't supposed to buy that business. Maybe I wasn't supposed to take that job. Maybe I wasn't supposed to. I don't really care about the hypotheticals or what ifs. You only have to be focused on what is. Because even if it wasn't supposed to happen, even if you shouldn't have done it, you have to look at where you are because you can't go back and redo where you were. So even if you made a bad decision back then, God can take your bad decision and turn it for good. Even if you made a bad financial decision, if you made a bad, even if you did silly, stupid stuff that you wish you had never done, don't live in the regret. Don't live in the past. You can't change all of that. Today is the day of salvation. And when you begin to look into your life and your, the future of your life, when those things begin to consume you with the pressures and, 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 and the, 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 just wearing you down, you feel worn, you got to look at yourself and begin to say, ha, wait a minute. God, you haven't removed that and I've asked. Have you ever had a prayer answered and you ask God to do it and he just instantaneously does it? Have you ever had a prayer answered that you didn't even pray, God just did it before you even had a chance to pray it? Then why is it this one this one thing is consuming you when you had just enough faith to have that one answered. And now you must think you have not enough faith to have this one answered. Maybe it's not your faith is why he is saying no. Maybe that thing works an eternal purpose that you can't yet see. Oh, this is good. Because I'd love to give you three steps and say, oh God, you didn't. God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you anything and everything that you want. Poof. Paul said it in 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 the scripture. I'm not coming after yours. I'm coming after you. That was a message from the Lord that says, guys, when I come to the earth, I'm not coming after yours. I'm coming after you. And I'm going to work an eternal weight of glory inside of your heart that you have no idea how it even is going to make it happen. And when I say no, it could be just a delay. And it could be just no. But you've got to understand, this is a big premise. We've got to listen to this because this is important. We have to know when it's not happening the way we think it should happen. We can't let what should be happening consume us. I, I know this to be true. It's happened in my life. Bad business decision. Excuse me. I'm going to get the look here in a minute. I can feel it. Get that out of your mouth. Bad business decision. Okay? I said, God, change that thing. Change that thing. Change that thing. I shouldn't have done that. It was a bad decision. Bad decision. This was years ago. And I said, God, what do I do? Change that thing. Here's what happened. Nothing was changing. But what did change was people around me. Other, my health, my peace, my rest, my sleep, everything was, 
because that was consuming me. Because I didn't realize that God was answering a thousand other little prayers when I thought this was the big thing. And because he wasn't answering the big thing, I was, not, I was taking for granted all the little things that were being changed in the process. He was doing wonderful things, opening doors, great, mighty things he was doing. This person was getting promoted. That person was getting promoted. This thing was happening. This position was, I met this person, didn't even know who that person was before. And relationships were being established. All the while, this was not changing. Things were happening all around that thing. But I had a, I had a tendency at that moment to be so consumed with it that I wanted to just shut down. I didn't want to get up the next morning because it was so heavy with pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when the pressure was so heavy on me, I would go, oh, and I would just push through, push through, push through, and miss the small things that God was doing that were just blessing me. I was, I was, I was, it was eclipsing the hand of the Lord in my life. It was wearing me out physically that I didn't have the energy just to keep going and keep going. Rather than look at that thing and say, like Paul did, and said, I asked three times, you didn't do it, but guess what? I have learned to glory and to be joyful and to have pleasure, not after the prayers answered, in the tribulation. Why? Because he's working something inside of us in the midst of that. Now, what I did was I would pray, I'll keep looking at that beam, that thing's become the thing today. I'd pray about the thing and I'd go, change that person. God, they gotta have a change of heart. They're just not, and I would look at all their behaviors that help cause this situation. Husbands and wives, parents, if they would just do this, that would change. If he would just, if she would just line up, they don't, and all of a sudden now this thing's not going to change. And we begin to put our stuff on other people thinking they're really responsible for this not happening. When in reality, the Lord has said, no. That would have really been a good time for an amen right then. And when I say, he says no, doesn't mean it's not going to happen it's not going to happen the way you have envisioned it to happen. The Lord doesn't take orders from us. Here's what we do. God, this is my problem, and this is pretty much how I'd like to see you fix it. Right? Now, he'll take your problem if you submit it to him, but the how's going to be left up to him. It's not going to be left up to us. He's going to do it his way. Why? His ways are better. His thoughts are higher, right? He sees things that we don't see. He knows your blind spots that you can't see or refuse to see. He sees our weaknesses that we don't even think they're weaknesses. And he'll take those weaknesses and turn them out for good. Paul said it this way, it's in my weakness and it hurts. It gets us down. We feel bad. And, but here's the, and God will use that as a tool to shape you. He'll, get, he'll let you get up in your feelings just so you'll know you have those feelings. There's been tests that it's taken me a, I mean, multitude of times to take over that I've never passed. Hey, this ain't all about me today. It's about you too. All right. I'm just saying. Okay. Multitude of time. Something rises. And some people just know how to push your buttons. 
right? And for some reason, God puts those people around you that know how to push you those buttons. And he lets them get real close to the point where the buttons are now not things you say, they're even the looks that you get. There they are again. There they are. Listen, I know people, you know people, we are those people, that sometimes you can be around them and they feel down in the dumps and they're depressed because of they're connected to you in some way. And when they get down to the dumps, you feel the need to fix that. So it will spark something inside of you to try to fix that. And you take on a role that never was intended for you to take. Why? Because you love that person. You care about that person. You don't want to see him down. You don't want to see him empty. You don't want to see him depressed. You don't want to see him low. You don't want to see all that happen. So what we do is we, we get over here and we start trying to be what God really wants to be to them and work through them. So what we could do is recognize that that thing, that whatever it is, some of us have multiple things, but there's always that one thing and it always keeps coming back in front of you and you pray it, take it away. You had a bad experience, here's one. I just heard the Lord. You had a bad experience five years ago, four years ago, three years ago. You had a bad experience. And you've worked real hard to get over it. You've coped. You, you, you've tried to push it down. Some of you even had to take medication. And you, and, 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 and you go weeks without it ever being in front of you. But somehow... Every so often, there it comes again. And when it comes, it affects everybody around you. And you begin to go, and you try hard, you work hard, willpower, mind over matter, you worship, you sing, you pray, you pray in the spirit, you get in the word, you do everything that you know to do and it still comes on you and it's heavy. And when it does, it starts trickling out around the people. Can I invert that thing for you just a second? When you see that thing pop up again, recognize that it is a tool to work in you a perfect work. What? Yes. So when it comes up, you begin to go, oh, I take pleasure. Because what it's trying to do is instill fear in you to grip you with fear so it paralyzes you and it consumes you and you will not recognize the things that are good that are happening around you. While you're trying to figure out this big thing, your grandkids are growing up. While you're trying to get this big thing to move, your kids are doing well in sports. While this big thing is moving around you all around, the church is growing. While this big thing is here, she's getting promoted on the job. While this big thing, yeah, there was a time when you didn't make any money, now at least you're making some. It was, what, she didn't used to want to come to church, but now she comes. But this big thing. Used to, you didn't even feel like getting up, couldn't get up because you weren't physically able to get up. But now look, there was a time you didn't even have a job and it was still there. Now you got a job and it's still there. And why now do you recognize that the job is not important because this thing's still, every time you see that thing, recognize, oh, wait a second. That thing is going to work a perfect work in me. 
So when you get bad news slapped in your face or a disappointment or it doesn't work out the way you thought it should, I got it all planned out, you see it. It's just, you could, you're so close, you can taste it. You're going, this is it. This, this, I got my hopes up. You're ready. But you've been let down before. So now you're afraid to let your hopes up because you've been let down before. That if your hopes are in the circumstances, you're not glorying in the tribulation. If you think he's a better God because he answered that big buffeted messenger and removed him, you're missing who he really is. He's a good and a great God with that messenger or without that messenger. And he's working something in you toward life and circumstances of life do not paralyze you. Children of uh, the three Hebrew children went in the fiery furnace. He's more than able to raise up us out of that fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow to the big thing. If he answers that prayer, if she never changes, I'm here. If he never changes, I'm, I'm here. If it never gets paid, if it never does this, if, it ne- if she never gets healed, I'm here. And then our good Pentecostal friends that come along and say, where is your faith? My faith is in him in spite of circumstances. My faith is in him if he answers or he doesn't answer. So I've just got to continue to live on with that big old thing. No, 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 no. I want you to see the thing is the thing. There was a time in the scripture when the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness. And this is where I want to get to. They were coming through the, the, the wilderness. The people were sick. There was fiery serpents biting them all on the, on the wilderness. They murmured and complained. They were sick. They were, they were, they were, they were, there was just all kinds of things happening to them because they were complaining all the time. God gets, Moses, God, Moses goes to God and he says, God, he says, my God, what's happening here? All these people are getting bit. They're getting stung by these fiery serpents. They're murmuring. They're complaining. God, I, I don't even know what to do with them. They're your people. I think he said this somewhere. I don't know if it's in there really, but I think he might've said, God, kill every one of them. Just take them out. They're killing me. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to, I don't know how to lead them. They're crying. They're babyfied. They're, 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 it's all about them. It's all about their, their comfortability, their security. It's all about them. Do something, God. God says, here's what you do. I want you to take a, a cross or a, a, a tree, and I want you to take it, and it's a, it's a, it's a brazen saw, uh, tree. I put gold over top of it, and, lay, and, lay, and I want you to take this serpent, carve it out, and I want you to lift this serpent and put it on this tree. And he says, well, the serpent, serpent represents the devil. It represents evil. It represents death. It represents nothing good. And you want me to take a tree out of a wood, put a carve a serpent out of it, put it on this tree and lift this tree up in the middle of the wilderness? And God says, just do what I tell you to do. But do this. Every time they see and look at that serpent on that tree in the wilderness, as long as they're looking at it, I'll heal them. They'll not be sick. Their mind will be at peace. Their mind will be at peace that stays upon that tree, that serpent. So Moses says, okay, God, if you said to do it. Moses raises this tree, the serpent on that tree. Brings all these people in who are sick and, 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 and hurting and, and distorted in their mind and everything was happening to them. And he brought them one by one. They'd stand and look at the tree. And as long as they kept their eyes fixed on that tree, they'd be healed. Yeah. What? 
It's the opposite of what we thought. Several thousand years later, <laughs> there was another tree. This one was Jesus. But wait a minute. If things in the Old Testament are a shadow of the things of the new, old things in the Testament of old and the revelation of the thing in the new, behind the light in the old, in the light in the new, you can't say it was a serpent in the old and not say it was a serpent in the new. What? You calling Jesus the serpent? No, I'm saying Jesus took on the serpent. He became sin that knew no sin. I didn't say that, he did. I didn't put him on that tree, he put himself on that tree. I didn't know how to put him on that tree. In fact, I, we wrestle all the time. I try to go to the tree and he says, no, I'll go there for you. That'll preach to somebody in here today. Carry your own stuff or let him carry your stuff. Right? But here's what happened. 2,000 years ago, here's Jesus on a tree. And whether you fasten and look at the, the cross and him on the cross, dying on the cross, in the work of the cross is your eternal salvation. In the wilderness, they looked at the, the serpent on the tree and it was their, their healing, their forgiveness, their peace. So why is it that in the wilderness, you looked at it? 2,000 years ago, we looked at it. But somehow today, in the spiritual walk that we're walking, we don't know how to look at the serpent in the tree of our mind and recognize, oh, you are an obstacle. You're not good to look at. I could look at you and be afraid. You could, this could be the end of me. But I have a faith and a confidence and a trust that there's something inside of that obstacle that's going to work an eternal weight of glory for me. That's why we can look at death and say, where is your sting? Grave, which is the end, where's your victory? You, you, you don't have the last say. Even though that doesn't happen, it doesn't have to. So Paul says, guys, I come to you and I've learned to take joy in tribulation. I read that scripture and I said, I don't take joy until after it's over. I have pain in tribulation. But if you see the tribulation or the situation or the circumstance or the obstacle as the end, you will never see the joy that is set for you after the obstacle. That's why Jesus says he looked at the cross and he said, whew, is, is this there any other way? This cup can pass. It, is there any other way for me to get to the next stage of glory in my life without going through that? Is there, is there, is there any other way? Then he says this, but not my will, but yours. Paul said, I prayed three times for him to, to pass the cup some other way. He didn't answer my prayer. I said, God, what are you doing? Why won't they change? Why won't, won't that deal close? Why won't that person like me? Why does that kid always have to get in rebellion? Why do I have these desires that I know that they're not healthy? 
Why do I think that way? Why do I always get myself in this mess? Why is it always happening the way I never want it to happen? God, why is it that, why is it, why, why do I keep on this roller coaster of life? I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down. I don't know if I'm going once, one way or the other. I don't know what's happening to me. God, will you just take, give me some peace. Take the confusion. Take the depression. Take it all away from me. God, will you just do, if you see that as the thing that's keeping you from it, the cross is the very thing that gets you the peace to overcome it. And you look at this thing and say, God, if you just said, if Paul said, I asked him, and he said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Paul, you see the, the messenger of Satan that's buffeting you. You see the failing marriage. You see the kids that are just wayward. You see your health deteriorating and getting older. You see the business just falling apart. You, you, you just see the, 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 the wrongs. You just see, but can you just shift your focus from the messenger that's buffeting you and stealing your peace to my grace yeah. is sufficient for you? Can you, can you just shift it? Can you, can you quit worshiping and bowing down to the thing that's stealing your peace and shift over here to the grace that gives you peace? Yeah. And Paul, when you start realizing that my grace is sufficient when the highs or when it's low, when you're in or when you're out, when you're up or when you're down, when you're good or when you're bad, my grace is still sufficient. And Paul, when you can realize that, you realize this, you can glory in tribulation. You get bad news. Is your first thing to, oh God, the closing your, your branch, your office. She's ready to leave you and gonna serve you divorce papers. They're foreclosing on the house. Kids come home and tell you that they don't even believe in God. Oh no, they relapsed again. Life falling apart and you're going, the first sign of that, does it go, do you go, oh God, change that? Or do you say, here's my opportunity to see your grace is sufficient. Every promotion in the Lord is preceded by a moment in time of your life that has the potential, the power, and the effect to take you out. You can lose it all, or you can gain it all. And before anybody I've ever seen get promoted in life, that what preceded it was that moment of, oh God, I don't think I can take it anymore. Take the hurt away, take the pain away. I'm tired of getting my hopes up only to have the rug pulled out from underneath me. I, I see progress in him, but he's just regressing again. I see, the Lord, they, they, they're not even, they're just so out there in the world. I don't know what else. To, Paul said, I ask him the same questions, guys. But his grace is sufficient. Though I gain it all. You know what I've found in my life? I don't know about you. The things that I wrestled with God to change, that he said no to, later in life, I look back 
and thanked him for the no. My life would have been a lot easier if he had have done that. If that person would have been healed, I'd have never got the revelation over here of what I know today because I'd have never sought him like I was seeking him now. Make sense? He knows our uniqueness. He goes right back to what I started the sermon with. He knows how to hear you hear. He knows how to communicate. He knows how to get your attention. And the Lord don't bring all that stuff on you it was a messenger from Satan. It wasn't a messenger from the Lord. He doesn't bring all that stuff on you to, to teach you a lesson. But what he wants you to know is anything the enemy puts on your life that's designed to take you out, if you can see that as an opportunity for him to bring you through, whether he changes it or not, you're still gonna come through. If you don't bow to the thing and know his grace is sufficient. I've prayed you know, for several things in the last couple of years and I mean, really hard, pray hard. I said, God, I just need you to do it. In fact, I got to the point where I said, God, I don't even feel like I want to repeat myself again. I, don't, I know you know this. Sometimes I'd even come in and I'd say, I'd shut my office door when we were on 18th Street. I'll never forget it. Shut my office door and I'd come in and I'd say, I'd look out, make sure nobody else was outside looking in. I'd say, it's me again. Yeah, I know you've heard this argument before, but God, I really need you. This is, this, this is causing me to have no peace. I don't like what's being said and done. I, I don't know what else to do. And God, I don't, I don't have the energy anymore. I'm, war, I'm weary, I'm worn down. I don't have the fight like I used to have to go out and try to fight all that stuff. And I went on and on and on. I'll never forget this as long as I live. It was silent. And I said this, I said, God, and I'm tired of talking to you and you don't answer me back. I'm, I'm just tired. I heard the Lord say, you know, pull out the word. And I said, I'm not pulling out the word. I don't want to pull out the word. I'm tired of pulling out the word. I don't want to pull out the word anymore. I even put my Bible on the shelf so I wouldn't be tempted to do it again. I said, I'm not, I'm not a one for the war. And here's what the Lord spoke to me and told me. He said, I've been waiting on you to get tired. I started crying. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And I said, well, God, if that's all it took, then why didn't you just tell me that six months ago? A year ago. He said, you wouldn't have listened to me because I know you're hard-headed. It's true. He said, you'd have wrestled me anyway. He said, I let you go until you finally got tired of looking at that thing. <laughs> my, percep my perception changed, but the circumstance didn't. I got up out of there and all of a sudden I couldn't tell you what happened other than I felt a lifting of my, my mind and, and I felt a smile come across my face. The, the heaviness was being relieved. And I got up and I said, oh God, 
I'd already went through six months of what did I do wrong? I was peeling off layers of flesh until I couldn't pull any more layers of flesh. I was making up stuff about my flesh. Or maybe I thought that thought. Maybe, maybe I said that. Maybe I did. I shouldn't have done it. God, I'm tired of repenting. I don't know how to do it anymore. I wore myself out. And I remember that heaviness getting up and I getting up walking out. This is, no, this is the truth. Is, I'm sure I'm not telling you. I walk out of my office. I get in my car. I receive a phone call. And the phone call was this. You are not going to believe what they said about you. I got a laughter come over top of me. I said, you know what? That's not true. But you know what? It makes for good humor. They said, do you want me to stop them saying that? I said, no. Oh my God, no. I got a valuable lesson about 15 minutes ago. Let them keep talking. Let them keep saying. It'll never happen. It won't happen. It won't happen. Because the more I listened to what couldn't happen, the more I was not seeing what was happening. And all of a sudden, my my perception changed. I saw it differently. And God began to put things in my, things I was praying in my heart about that I'd never talked to people about and I'd see it happen. I saw Ronnie pray for, stand up with the word of knowledge at the the Civic Center. I'll never forget this as long as I live, it's around the same time. At the Civic Center, he stood up and he said, I heard somebody's healing their, 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 their shoulder. And, and it was a man behind me, and I'd prayed for those things to happen in our services that you'd have to manufacture. I'm not talking about dreaming it up and making it happen. I'm talking about it just being organic and God doing it. And I heard this crack from this guy behind me, and I went, behind. and next thing you know, this quiet, timid, tall, big giant of a man, but very timid and soft-spoken, comes out from behind me, grabs the microphone and says, well, you said that I've had a shoulder problem for years and years and years, but it popped right in the middle of the service when you're talking and now it's healed. And I remember so clearly going, God, I prayed for that so much. It was, it was in my heart's desires, but I was so focused on that thing. It was eclipsing all the good things that were happening around me. And all of a sudden I said, God, thank you. Thank you. Now I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you. Listen, Rather than praying that he move it, change it, sweep it, kill it, drive it away, just say this, my faith is in you. And whether it goes or it stays, I'm still getting promoted. I'm still moving on. My life still advances. I'm still gonna have my joy. I'm still gonna have my peace. I'm still gonna have my life. I'm still gonna have the the smile. I'm not gonna let still my joy. I'm not gonna do, even though it never changes, I can't do anything about that, God. I've done all I know to do and I'm tired of manipulating anymore. It's not happening again. God, if you change it, thank you. If you don't, I'll still thank you because your grace is sufficient for me. Stand to your feet with me. Jesus, lift your hands all over the place today. Father, we thank you and we bless you. The Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me and told me that there are people in here today that want to rededicate. I'm talking about rededicating, coming back with a focus because you've been away from the Lord for a while. You feel disconnected and feel distant. And the Lord says you want to come back. I'm going to dismiss the people first. 
And if you're one of those people, I wanna meet you right up here up front after service is over. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your grace is sufficient. Your love is ever flowing and everlasting. Your goodness and your mercy follows us all the days of our lives. We're strong because we're weak. You're strong because we're weak. But thank God you're strong at all times, even though we're up and we're down. We refuse to bow. We refuse to get focused on the, the obstacles of life. We're going to move forward and trust and know that whether it changes or whether it doesn't change, we're moving forward. Whether it goes or stays, we're being promoted. Whether it happens or doesn't happen, our life still advances and our lives around us still have joy, still have peace. And the rest that I have that you've given us will not change, it's ever increasing. We bless you and we thank you and we say that Jesus Christ is the Lord over our lives and the situations we face and we say nothing, and I mean nothing, can overstep His power in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all.